Welcome back to Maximum Sports. This is your host, Max Patillo. Hope everyone has had a great week. Um, We've got the Combine to talk about today. We've got our three next draft teams in order. And a little bit of the news going around. Um, It is the offseason, so not as many uh, big things going on right now. But we do have uh, the Combine and teams positioning themselves for the next couple months before the draft is going to be pretty fun because you've got all the scouting going on. Uh, These players performed at the Combine and these teams can kind of see where they want to go with guys and who they how they want to reshape their team around these new players coming in. So the trickle down starts to happen and teams start to make big decisions and the league starts to change a lot this time of year. So it's fun to cover this and I think it's important for us going forward to kind of know the foundation of, of what's going to happen and how we hope that these teams make decisions and uh, for the fans, you know, um, so that they can root for a a team that's going forward uh, the right way. And so um, we can get into that and see where we go from there. So we've got the combine. Um, You know, the, the main thing about the combine is it's a lot of, it kind of seems like smoke and mirrors a little bit. Because it's just a bunch of guys running running and doing drills and, and none of it's really football in reality. Uh, it's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of sprinting, um, feats of athleticism, jumping as high as you can. And I heard um, Bruce Arians actually being interviewed earlier in the week and, and he said that you... You shouldn't fall in love with a player at the combine. You should, you can fall in love with a player's tape of their games in college, but you should never fall in love with a guy at the combine. And I think that's an important perspective to have because so many of these teams go wrong with looking at these players at the combine and a guy could run a, a 4-3 and he might not be able to have any football instincts once he gets on the field on Sundays. And there's so many guys like that. And alternatively, there could be a guy that's slow, uh, a guy that doesn't run a fast 40 time, a guy that doesn't change direction well or move his feet very well, uh, but he could have incredible football instincts and he could have uh, a great a football high football IQ and he knows what's coming he knows how to study film and he could have great ball skills and, and kind of the guy that comes to mind for me is like a Richard Sherman I mean a guy that he's not a he's never had blazing speed he's never had like really loose uh hips in his in his movement you know certain things like a three cone drill change of direction type thing 
where most of these uh, tests that they do at the combine are just, you know, basic athleticism, but that doesn't necessarily translate to the field. And you can see once Sherman gets out there, I mean, he's one of the greatest corners to ever play. Um, whereas like, I mean, Deion Sanders, I mean, that's a guy who tested great at the combine and he was also probably the best corner ever. And so it's meshing those two things together. A lot of it is also based on what kind of system you run on the team. These guys are going to go to coaching staff, what they value, you know, like a Pete Carroll defense is going to value longer, taller corners, great ball skills. And that's where Richard Sherman fit in. And, you know, things like uh, awareness of where the football is going to be and tackling in particular, there's nothing at the combine that um, tests these guys' ability to tackle. That's only on film. They are not hitting at the combine. And, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's 70% of the game is how you hit on both sides of the ball. I mean, there's nothing that's going to show you how good of a blocker a lineman is at the combine as to watching his film and seeing how he does that. And, obviously, on defense, all these guys, their ability to break down in the open field, wrap a guy up, hit him, hit him hard, bring him down. There's nothing, they don't do any of that stuff at the combine. So it's, uh, it can make it a little more confusing, I think, for a lot of these teams that get kind of caught up in a guy's numbers at the combine. Um, you know, like with the, we talked about the Bengals earlier, you know, John Ross, he runs a 4-2, probably the fastest 40 time ever. And he's a wide receiver, and they ended up picking him number eight in the draft. And that's just a, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't pick any receiver that high. But they got caught up in his measurables at when he was in shorts and a t-shirt. Um, and, you know, if they would have watched his film at Washington... Yes, he had great speed, and they threw over the top a lot. But what was he doing in inter- intermediate route running? What was he doing to get open besides just running a vertical route? If they you know, really look at that stuff, they probably thought they could teach him it, which a lot of times they can. But maybe they didn't have a good enough coaching staff to do that. There's a lot of factors. Either way, John Ross hasn't been really a uh, breakout player definitely not worth as high of a as a pick as eight and so I really uh when I looked at the combine I kind of honed in on the quarterbacks especially because I think that's interesting because I like to see how athletic a lot of these quarterbacks are and I was a little underwhelmed I, I mean you know some of the fastest 40 times um you know were around uh the four sevens, most of them. And that, you know, that's, that's still fast. It's good. Um, but I think there's, um, there's a, a lot more fast guys nowadays, um, which is good. A lot of them aren't blazing speed, but 
I I just was watching. I, I look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, who's um, he, he was the former Alabama quarterback, and he got supplanted by Tua, and he transferred to Oklahoma. And he had a pretty good year last year, and a guy like that who's um, an incredible athlete, and you know he's a power lifter. Uh, he's big. He has no injury history. Um, he, he's got some questions about his accuracy and throwing ability, but uh, that makes me think, you know, I think about a team like Dallas that is so afraid of letting Dak Prescott go. And you can't tell me that Jalen Hurts couldn't just step right in and, and replace a guy like Dak or uh, replace any one of these like highly overpaid quarterbacks. And, they can step in these offenses and, and you can scheme around them just like the the Ravens have in Baltimore and and these teams that they come in and they they can plug these rookies in right away. And I just think um like we said in previous episodes, you know, you just can't be scared to put in the young cheap guy. And you could probably get Jalen Hurts. And who knows? I mean Dallas, they still might. You know, get a guy like that, one of those guys, Jordan Love, you know, um, might go a little higher, but you could still get one of these athletic, um, somewhat raw athletic quarterbacks um, later on in the draft, and you'd be surprised, I mean, how Dak would look in practice next to him. I mean, he's more athletic than Dak. He's bigger. Uh, he's got a stronger arm, actually, too. He might not be quite as accurate. I don't know. But Dak's not the most accurate guy either. So you get a guy, you bring a guy like that in. And the word is that the Cowboys are going to franchise tag Dak. And it's basically going to be Kirk Cousins, uh, Kirk Cousins, the sequel, you know, the second movie of what happened to Kirk Cousins is going to happen to Dak now. And, you know, a lot of these media guys out there that I, I don't know, they don't want to offend Dallas fans or, or fans of Dak. Um, but, you know, they're acting like Dak is uh, going to break the bank where, I mean, he is for one year, he's probably going to make with a franchise tag, probably around 33 million, which is incredible. Uh, but it's just for one year. And, how often do you see quarterbacks get franchise tagged? It, it, it never happens. And so it's the last time is pretty much with Kirk Cousins. And so it, it is kind of a slap in the face to Dak that uh, Dallas, they don't really believe in you. I mean, for me, I mean, we know how we feel here at Maximum Sports. It's you let him go, let him walk, let him get paid somewhere else. You've seen him for four years what's one more year going to going to change i really it's uh silly to me because you, the longer you go without making these decisions you you lock in mediocrity because i'll almost guarantee that dallas will go 7 and 9 6 and 10 maybe 8 and 8 next year um the league around them is getting a lot better their divisions getting a lot better they're going to lose players cuz they don't have um, a ton of cap space and they had a ton of talent last year. They're going to lose a lot of guys. And 
I think they're banking on the head coach was Jason Garrett, and he was the ultimate problem. And now we've got a new coach, and he's going to fix everything. And make he's going to make Dak a great quarterback all of a sudden. And we're going to win 11 or 12 games, you know. And uh, I think that's they're just dreaming, you know. Um, I think Jerry Jones is uh, not willing to risk it, and and that's going to cost him big, you know. Uh, it's just going to be another year of wasted time uh, for Dallas um, because they're going to be mediocre again. Uh, they have too much talent to be completely awful, I think, but it could implode. You never know. I, I, I don't think they really have a chance to be uh, a 9-10 win team. Um, last year, I mean, their division was awful. It was the worst division in the league, and they couldn't win it. And uh, that's with your supposedly franchise quarterback, Dak, in his fourth year. Uh, he should be rolling now. This isn't, you're not developing guys anymore. I mean, development for these quarterbacks, it, honestly, if they don't have it by year three or four, it, it's time to move on. You know, if they're not able to win games carrying a team, you don't have a franchise quarterback. He, he's not carrying anybody. He's reliant on their line and their running backs and they need Amari Cooper and they're probably going to lose him and a great defense. Uh, he's not going to win you games. I mean, he couldn't even beat the Eagles at the end of the season last year. And the Eagles were, um, they had no one. They, their whole roster was basically undrafted by the end of the year. It is insane. And how they won that, how they lost the division to them is, uh, unreal actually it's unbelievable and I think you could have take any one of these you know top 10 rookie quarterbacks coming into the draft this year plug him in instead of Dak behind that offensive line for a quarter of the price and uh, see what happens there you can keep all those other players and that's the equation that we always talk about and that's what uh that's what Dallas should do. Let Dak walk. But they, they are at least franchising him, I think. That's what the word is. They aren't going to pay him long term, which is a positive. But they're going halfway. They're not going all the way, which has kind of been the Dallas way. They're, they're afraid, you know. They want to win so bad that they get scared of making critical decisions. And uh, that's what they've been for the last 20, 25 years, basically. So um, Dallas, um, next year, I'm probably going to write you off. So um, moving on to, uh, we've got our next um, draft teams to talk about and uh, team building strategies for these teams and their fans we're talking the Jaguars the Jets and the Raiders in that order some pretty uh, fascinating teams start with the Jaguars and this is uh, a team that was able to hit the mountaintop of well not the top of the mountain but they came close especially for Jacksonville and this was just a couple years ago they were one game away from the Super Bowl. And they had built their team 
like almost like perfectly to what our philosophies are. They spent big on the offensive line. They have a great rookie running back, Leonard Fournette. He's young. He was running all over everyone, and they drafted their defense so well, and they they spent money on the areas that we talk about. They bought Calais Campbell, Calais Campbell in, Malik Jackson. Um, you can spend on the D-line. I'm happy with that. And they spent on the O-line. They brought in Norwell, the guard. Um, left tackle, they, they spent on the offensive line. And uh, they had a power running game. They were paying Blake Bortles hardly anything. He was on his rookie contract. And they structured things perfectly, and it took them all the way to the AFC Championship, and they barely lost to the Patriots. And it was an incredible season for Jacksonville, and their their fans were into it. You know, they were the Saxonville. They led the league in sacks, and and that's how you do it. And what ended up happening is, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't keep the revolving door. Uh, revolving, basically. Uh, They decided that the AFC Championship was great for them, and they paid Blake Bortles. And you should... Dallas, don't pay Dak. Let him go. Look at Jacksonville. They paid Blake Bortles. They paid him. And he was awful the next year. Awful. And they started to fall apart. The defense started to let down because they didn't they got tired of having to hold teams under 17 points because their quarterback couldn't push the ball to score more than that and these guys wear down they're playing so hard um you still got the running back Leonard Fournette he's still on his rookie deal um you, you know Blake Bortles they they let him go they cut him he's gone and uh they they ate that cap number and uh and now he's a backup on the Rams. Bye bye Bortles, you know. And the problem is instead of you know, you you brought in Gardner Minshew, which he looked good last year. He played well. But the problem is you also brought in Nick Foles. And I didn't hate the move. You know, you brought him in at a kind of a journeyman uh, bridge quarterback to a bridge to the future in a way, kind of like an Alex Smith. He's at a 21 million cap number, which today is, you know, middle of the road. Um, It's manageable. Um, But the problem is he gets hurt. And, you know, Minshew, I liked him. He played well. Um, He could be a guy for the future for you. but he was a rookie, and it's hard just to step in like that. Um, and they had some other injuries, and Jalen Ramsey started all his drama. The defense, it seemed like they lost their chemistry, and they they started to let down, and and then you end up with uh, you know six wins, which isn't horrible. Um, you still have Calais Campbell; he's still a great player. Uh, AJ Bouye, he's getting a little older. Uh, Miles Jack, highly paid. Andrew Norwell, the guard, highly paid. Um, Leonard Fournette's still cheap. Um, and you, you've got a lot of young guys. Uh, 
problem with Jacksonville now is that Nick Foles is um, no he you you already paid him and no one you can't trade him away because uh, no one wants his contract now um, so you can't get anything for him and you can't cut him because you would owe him that twenty million for the next couple years. You made the contract too long, and you know that's that's kind of um, an unlucky thing. It's not a terrible decision, but it still hurts you if you don't uh, get the most out of that guy. He gets hurt. He's out most of the season, so it's not the end of the world for the Jaguars. They could bounce back better next year. Their O line. Uh, let down quite a bit. Um, they went down to uh, the number uh, 26 offensive line. Um, you know, their left tackle, Cam Robinson, was injured. Um, and so they saw a letdown in that position. And um, Brandon Linder was good, their, uh, their tackle, but... Um, they just uh, weren't the same. And that kind of, like we talked about last week, that's a volatile position. So even if you do spend some money there, it's not guaranteed just because of the talent gap between offensive linemen and defensive linemen. But, I, I mean, for us here, your probability of having a good offensive line goes higher if you pay for well-known commodities at that position. But it doesn't guarantee anything like we've seen, you know. So <clears throat> their line kind of let down a little bit, but I think that they're in a tough situation because they only have $20 million in cap space. That's uh, kind of lower towards the end of the, or the, end of the league. Um, and so I would, um, I would kind of draft for their offensive line again. Um, I would spend uh, some of that money up front, if you can bring some of it in on O-line, I would give Nick Foles another shot next year. And you you just don't have much flexibility on these guys that you, you want to maybe get rid of. Um, A.J. Bouye, the corner, I like, you know, paying good corners, but I think he's kind of dropped off a little bit. You could try to trade him or cut him. Uh, that would save you another $15 million, but those are kind of uh it's it's tight for the Jaguars so we'll have to see how what they do uh going forward they they really need to fix their quarterback situation in some way and maybe Nick Foles can be that guy or maybe uh um Minshew can can step in and and be it so let's move on to the New York Jets they are next on the clock and They've been a interesting team. They basically built their team like kind of like the Browns, the opposite of our our philosophies. And I think that I um they 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 spent their money recklessly recklessly last season, last off season, and it really bit them, and it bit them hard. And uh, I mean, it's. Like C.J. Mosley, middle linebacker, they paid him $17 million. And, I mean, he ended up missing most of the season. I mean, so that really kills you. 
But we said way back in the first episode of this show uh, that the Jets were crazy, you know. And Le'Veon Bell, same thing. We don't pay running backs. We especially don't pay running backs with that much mileage on their bodies. He's an older running back now. After four years, these running backs, they go into the old category for me. And, you know, sure enough, Le'Veon Bell, $15 million is ridiculous. And the word was that their coach didn't even want to do that. And so the GM went over his head on that. And, um, you know, they, uh, uh, Adam Gase, uh, he, he's kind of a quirky, uh, head coach, but, um, you know, he basically said, uh, in so many words that he didn't want to pay a running back that much, but, uh, maybe it's the owners. Maybe they want to sell more tickets, bring in big names, reckless prices, and they're desperate. I don't know, but that's not what I would do. Um, paying a middle linebacker, CJ Mosley, who's probably, oh, he's probably the fourth or fifth best middle linebacker. And middle linebacker is not really a high priority position. I'd much rather pay a D lineman, O lineman. Um, and Le'Veon Bell, I mean, it's ridiculous. He came in and he had 789 yards rushing and three touchdowns. That's what fifteen million got you last year from him. I mean, just imagine what you what else you could have done with that money. And you your offensive line is a big issue um, already. How could you pay a running back that much to run? They their line was ranked twenty eighth last year, and you knew it wasn't going to be good. And of course, uh, you know why would you bring up a, a top paid running back in to run behind that offensive line you got to fix the line first before you bring anything like that in and you just draft a running back there's so many good running backs out there just plug these guys in and off you go you could have three or four of them on your roster it's just revolving door don't worry about these big names three touchdowns that is just ridiculous for that number that's reckless spending. Neither of them worked out. I like Sam Darnold. I like his athleticism. I think he's a good leader. He seems like he stays out of all the drama and crap. You compare him to a guy in his same draft class like Baker Mayfield. It's all drama. It's all talk. You don't hear much from Sam Darnold. And he, he missed six games, uh, the first six games of the year, uh, but they still ended up winning seven games later in the year with Sam Darnold. Uh, So there's some potential there. I think if you bolster that offensive line and get rid of Le'Veon Bell, even get rid of Mosley, you might still be able to get value for those guys and plug into the positions that really matter. And we know what those are, you know, and, and spend your money there. They have 50 million in cap space and that's a, that's a good amount. So you get rid of those guys, you have even more. And um, again, at the top of the draft here, these teams that did not have successful seasons, our philosophy is kind of the same for most of them. It's you gotta, you gotta just get clean house. You know, you got a clean house and uh, clean up space. Get some money for yourself. Um, on to the Raiders. 
the now Las Vegas Raiders. They'll be moving into their new stadium. And I was surprised because actually looking at things for the Raiders, looking at their cap situation, and they have really built their team with um, the maximum sports philosophy in mind. And I never really thought of it that way, but they, um, Mike Mayock, uh, their new GM started last year and they, they got rid of a lot of guys and they paid big on the offensive line. I think they have the highest paid offensive line by a big margin. And I mean, they were, I think, uh, last or second to last in offensive line rankings the year before. They went out. They were very aggressive in free agency. They paid Trent Brown, highest paid left tackle. They have the highest paid center. They have a guard who's making $9.5 million and Richie Incognito, another guard who was actually fantastic last year, um, making $6 million. They have the highest paid offensive line. And you know, this goes to our point that it's very volatile. It it only propelled them to the 15th best offensive line uh, in the league this year. And you might say, well, that, you know, that's not great. But it's definitely better than being last. And you can make do with having a middle-of-the-road offensive line. But you can't make do with having the worst offensive line. Or, or a bottom half. It's just too... Uh, it'll deteriorate your team from every level. You, you can't make plays if you can't block anybody. And so at least they were serviceable. And I know you're paying a lot of money for that. But if you look at it now, they drafted very young on defense. That's what we say. Draft your defense and use your free agency for the offensive line. And they've done that. They used their free agency for the line, brought in well-known commodities on the line. They don't have to really worry about it. It's not going to be their biggest weakness. And they brought in a good, young running back, Josh Jacobs. He was almost rookie of the year last year on offense. And he's young, cheap, and he's running behind that line. And they they were good. They They were explosive. And... You um, you you have a young defense. They're coming along slowly. Derek Carr is is a good player. Um, well, I mean he's um, he's okay. You know, like that that could be somewhat of a limiting factor for them. He is um, he is highly paid. They actually paid their left tackle the same price as Derek Carr is making now which is 21 and a half million. And so that kind of tells you, you know, where really uh, Derek Carr is on their team and left tackle and quarterback are making the same amount of money. And so I, I think you can go forward with Derek Carr still making that amount because the cap's gone up. And I think unlike a Matt Stafford, I think that he still has more potential on the table and I've seen some flashes from him. They have had a 12-game. Uh, they, they did win 12 games a couple years ago, and then he broke his arm and couldn't play in the playoffs. So he's got a great arm. 
I don't think he's as mobile as you'd like. But Raiders, go draft yourself a quarterback or trade down. Get one of those later round guys. I could see them getting a later guy who doesn't need to start right away. You've got Derek Carr. He can be your bridge to the next guy. Um, because I think you are going to want that next guy uh, to take you into the future. Um, they paid a wide receiver, Tyrell Williams, $11 million. I, I don't like that. Obviously, that's too high. I think a lot of people don't know who Tyrell Williams is. Maybe a lot of you fantasy uh Fantasy uh, players out there probably know who he is, but um, that just tells you, like, I mean, you, you pay a wide receiver, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be in trouble. Just don't don't pay high top dollar for a wide receiver. It's not a a terrible. It's eleven million, and you know it's not like a Odell Beckham, um, or Jarvis Landry type money. It's in between. So, you know, it's he's actually the 19th highest paid wide receiver in the league. But I, I still, that's a little little too much. Um, I'd rather bring in like a premier corner or defensive lineman. Someone to bolster your defense. That's where they need a little more help. They're young there. But I think they have the um, structure and order... Um, correct uh of how they're they're trying to build their team and they're going to be moving to las vegas that's going to create hopefully for them a lot of energy moving into a new stadium um brings a lot of hype for teams and they're they're kind of starting a new chapter for their franchise and so they've got a good amount of cap space um even with paying your offensive line that much i mean those are five guys those linemen that you you're best off not having a weak link there. You could look at it anyway. I mean, you could have weak links on your defensive line. You could have weak links on your in your secondary linebackers, running backs, wide receivers, and you could see teams that have those weak links that still win Super Bowls, but they're not going to have weak links on their offensive line, and that's what we've seen year in and year out every year. Chiefs. Patriots, um, only team that has won a Super Bowl with an average offensive line. I mean, it's probably the Seahawks um, or maybe Denver with uh, Manning and that great defense. But you, you've got to build that O line, and uh, I think the Raiders have done a good job of that. And they still got money to spend, so a lot more positions of needs for them. Um, draft another quarterback. I think most of these teams should still be drafting quarterbacks, especially these uh, lower round teams, um, these unsuccessful teams. You know, they should be drafting quarterbacks because you, you you never know who a lot of these young guys are working. So, and they're cheap. So if you can get one of those guys, and tr- you could trade Derek Carr. I mean, you would still get value for him. There's someone who would give you a first round pick or you know that the Raiders traded Khalil Mack and everyone thought they were crazy but they unloaded what ended up being you know 25 million dollars of a defensive end and 
he went to the Bears, and the Bears weren't that much better than the Raiders this year. And everyone thought the Raiders were crazy for doing that. Don't be afraid to unload these guys. I mean, you can do it. You know, if they don't want to be on your team and they're not all in mentally, um, they're going to create a problem in your locker room and it's going to spread to other players. And um, I'm not saying Derek Carr would, would be like that. I think he's all in. But you got to decide whether he's going to be your guy going in the future or if you can bring in um, a young, cheaper guy. So that's going to be our show for this week. Um, we'll have more news coming in the in the week ahead. We'll do some more team reports and uh, breakdown. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it's been really fun. We'll, um, we'll continue with this offseason. And we're going to have uh, all the franchise tags coming through pretty soon. We'll see how these rosters are getting put together. And we'll go from there. We'll have free agency coming up um, later in the month. And then it'll be the draft. And then we will have a ton to talk about then. And we'll see how these teams are are formulated. So uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Reach out to me. Um, anytime. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week. All right. Thank you.